1: Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Hornets continue their road trip. Actually, they'll wrap it up today, taking on the Brooklyn Nets. We'll have a game preview edition of that one, also get to preview the newly announced schedule for the hornets for that in-season tournament week there's a few teams eight obviously that made it into the knockout rounds everyone else needed two games added to their schedule hornets have added theirs we'll talk about those and our guest's favorite topic power rankings that means you have a pretty good idea who our guest is if you are a big fan of the podcast he's my producer on the hornets radio network as well as the producer of this fine podcast rob longo here with us once again rob thanks so much for joining us
2: Pleasure as always. Finally glad that we have the slate ready for next week as well. I know there was a lot of anticipation about who the Hornets may play if they did not make it to the knockout round, so I'm glad we were finally able to get that settled, even if the NBA did announce that in the middle of the night the other day.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I think there is a little bit of hope, uh, certainly going into the season, that there would still be some mystery at this stage. That the Hornets could be that hot team that made a run in the in-season tournament and advance to the knockout rounds. Unfortunately, that wasn't to be. Unfortunately, injuries had a lot to do with it. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, we we now know the schedule here. For for the Hornets for the next week. After their game against Brooklyn, they're still coming home to play the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then that Wednesday, Friday of the following week, the upcoming week, uh, Charlotte will visit Chicago on Wednesday and then host Toronto on Friday. So a new home game added to the schedule on Friday, December. The eighth tickets are available now at Hornets.com. First off, I think the in-season tournament so far has been a great success. Again, I think, and I know you touched on this in yesterday's podcast, I think that the only item for me personally that would have been a little bit better is just having a a more time added in on that final day somehow some way to kind of stretch the drama although I don't know how you could really do that without creating a massive advantage or disadvantage to certain teams based off what time they played but there was so much you know number crunching and everyone kind of looking over and saying all right how much does this team need to win by and who's going to get the wild card and how's this all going to shape up going into that final day that it it really made it intriguing but either way uh, I think it was a big success and now You know, you add two games into the schedule, and for teams like the Hornets who aren't going to play in the IST knockout rounds, I still think that there's a a lot that you can take away from the in-season tournament and you don't lose anything in terms of scheduling.
2: I totally agree with you. And I think that was what I was trying to convey in the podcast yesterday is just the fact that stretching that drama would be great because I think the biggest thing, and that's what I went back to yesterday on the podcast, was that there's just no way, good way to do it right now with 30 teams. You got 15 in each conference. There's just not really a good way to divvy up the pool play so that every team could play at the same time on the final day of group play in the in-season tournament. I think that would be maybe the ultimate goal, kind of like what Major League Baseball has done over the last couple of seasons where everybody is playing relatively at the same time in their time zone. So there's nobody missing a start or anything like that that could influence seating or standings or who is in, who is out, and that sort of thing where it's just kind of an all-level playing surface where you just go out there and you just play the game for what it is. So I think that's maybe the one little thing that I would like to change as well, but I totally agree with you. The drama's been great. I know there was a little bit of controversy for a couple of teams, in the final game of the in-season tournament as well, where it came to the point differential. And I know that's something that Sam Perley touched on in the podcast yesterday. But so far, so good. But it is really good to see at least, like, it kind of just get in motion. And again, there's a little bit of some play here because this is the first time this has obviously ever been done. So there's going to be some tweaks, I'm sure, along the way. But for the most part, it's been a slam dunk
1: here so far for the NBA and for the rest of the league. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. I I think the one thing about having just the pools play at the same time is you still have that imbalance, that advantage that goes to, like, say, if you have, uh, you know, Pool A is all teams playing in the eastern time zone and Pool B is all teams playing in the central time zone. Well, now the central time zone teams know what they need to do or the the teams playing in those games know what they need to do to make it. Um, And certainly, you know, in the game for the Hornets against the Knicks, where New York probably ran up the score a little bit more than they uh, otherwise would have in an to make the IST knockout rounds, uh, and it worked. It worked in their favor. The the risk-reward, though, is if Julius Randle turns an ankle in the final two minutes in a game that they were already up by 20 in, well, you know, Knicks fans aren't going to like that, but you, you you, take your chances and and you make those measured uh, measured guesses, I suppose. We do have the schedule now for the Hornets. In my opinion, this went about as well as it could be. Uh, we've been talking about it off the podcast for a couple weeks now, actually, trying to figure out, all right, what would the schedule be? I have held that I did not think the NBA would want a team to visit the the same arena a third time in the season and I have held that the NBA would do everything it could to avoid Eastern Conference teams in multitude playing Western Conference teams you probably have to have one play another uh, because there's a 22 teams left That's 11 teams per conference, so someone's got to do the crossover, but I didn't think they were going to have, say, three or five matchups like that. So uh, I thought that there was a specific pool of teams that was likely the Hornets could visit and could host, and Charlotte draws Chicago on the road and Toronto at home and when you look at the standings that's a pretty good deal for the Hornets you're looking at two teams obviously they have talent they've both got former all-stars on their squad Uh, they both have the capability of making a run and making it to the postseason but Chicago as of the recording of this podcast is 5 and 14 they're below the Hornets in the standings and Toronto at 8 and 10 is on the outside looking in even at the play-in tournament picture so if you had to draw up two teams first off bad luck for the Hornets at those Those two were not already on the schedule for four full meetings within the Eastern Conference, but at least now you get those and there's a little bit of a benefit, I think, for Charlotte.
2: I certainly agree with you. I kind of looked at the same thing and said, okay, we kind of know what's going on with both of those teams. Chicago's pretty well documented, at least in terms of some of the rumors that you've heard around the NBA and some of the stuff that's been leaked about just the dysfunctionality of them. And there's a lot of star power on that team, like you mentioned. I mean, it's not going to be a cakewalk by any means. And you got a team like Chicago that certainly has the ability to get hot at any given time. I know they've been a thorn in the side for the Hornets for the past several years as well. And then you got a team like Toronto that's still trying to, I don't want to say rebuild, but retool a little bit with the new coaching staff. They still have some of their bigger pieces there outside of Fred Van Fleet who went to Houston in the offseason, but they still got Pascal Siakam and some of the other guys, Scotty Barnes, former Rookie of the Year as well. So it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination, but like you said, I think this went about as well as it possibly could for the Hornets to Selfishly, I'm a little upset that the Hornets do have to go to Chicago on Wednesday next week because it's a little bit of a later start time for myself on the East Coast and all the Hornets fans with an 8 p.m. tip. But other than that, can't complain a whole lot. Uh, It's going to be a lot of fun here having Toronto at the Hive as well. Those are usually some pretty big games and some pretty fun games as well against the Raptors. So, again, we don't really see come in a whole lot, but we'll see them twice this year. And it's going to be, you know, one of those things where it's a little bit different just because you're waiting until the last second, but I know a lot of the season ticket holders and the Hive Society members have already had this game penciled in for their season tickets and now is the chance for everybody else to catch the Hornets on a Friday night at the Hive.
1: Amen to that. Hornets will host the Toronto Raptors. That one will be on Friday, December 8th and tickets are available for that one at Hornets.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk power rankings. Charlotte had a really good week in many respects last week. Uh, Not such a great start here to this one with back-to-back losses on the road trip and, of course, the loss uh, temporarily of LaMelo Ball. We'll talk about where some of the NBA experts see the Hornets and where Rob Longo sees them as well after this quick break here on the Hornet Timecast.
0: Terms and conditions apply.
1: Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Welcome back, and we're glad to have you here as we preview, momentarily, Hornets at Brooklyn to wrap up this three-game road trip. One other note, uh, as we mentioned in the previous segment, there is a new game on the schedule available for uh, you to purchase tickets to, and a Friday night at the Hive. Nothing better than weekend games at Spectrum Center. Friday night, Hornets will host the Toronto Raptors. That is on December the 8th. Not tomorrow, December the 8th. So make your plans. Come out and join us at Spectrum Center. Rob Longo, I know it's one of your favorite topics, but power rankings are released around this time or maybe within the last 48 hours across the uh, spectrum of great publications that cover the NBA. I'd like to mix it up for you. So today we're going to look at the athletics power rankings. But before I reveal where they saw the Hornets heading into this week, I need to know where you think Charlotte should rank in the hierarchy of 30 NBA teams.
2: I'm glad you told me the Athletic ahead of time because for whatever reason, it just seems that the Hornets are a little bit lower in those power rankings more times than not compared to maybe ESPN or NBA.com. So with that said and that in mind, I'm going to say that the Hornets were probably ranked in about 26th on the Athletic this week.
1: Very close. They were 26th last week, but the Athletic put them at number 25. I actually, you know, looking through these power rankings – I don't have a lot of arguments here. Uh, I thought they appropriately put San Antonio at the bottom. I think there's been a lot of deference given from other publications to how great of a talent Victor Wimbanyama is and basically ignoring how bad the team has been playing. So I think that they rank them appropriately, uh, but they are giving Charlotte some credit and bumping them up a little bit to number 25. They do it in tiers or they try and separate the teams into tiers. And unfortunately, Charlotte's in the bottom tier of tier six, not tanking yet, but maybe someday um, I think that maybe someday factor has more to do with injuries personally than anything else. Um, but I understand if you're putting teams into different pods, Hornets record is not very good right now. And that might lead an outside you know, observer to, to maybe make some assumptions that aren't necessarily true. But nonetheless, 25 is ahead of 26, so we have actually a wrinkle here. Typically, you and I, or whoever my guest is that I torture with this, uh, is guessing higher than the publication is ranked. You have actually guessed lower. So I'm going to give you the three teams directly below the Hornets and make you guess which one, uh, or make you say which one, you think should have been ranked above Charlotte. Your choices are the Chicago Bulls. We know the Hornets are now going to be visiting on Wednesday. The Memphis Grizzlies and the Washington Wizards.
2: Well, I really dug myself into a hole with this one, because I think that the Hornets should be above all of them, and this is what I get for being pessimistic with the athletic rankings, so... Always be optimistic, Rob. Never be pessimistic. Always optimistic. If I had to learn about being optimistic from anybody, it would certainly be you. So if I had to pick somebody, I guess we can find out next week if the Hornets are better than the Bulls or not, but in the meantime, I think I would rank Memphis ahead of them, just because I think that Memphis falls into the category of the Hornets a little bit, where... There was a lot of potential and a lot of hype going into this season, and they just haven't had people available for a multitude of reasons. John Moran has that 50-game suspension. Steven Adams lost for the entire season because of a knee injury, and those are just two massive blows because, in my mind, that's one of the best pick-and-roll combinations in the NBA right now was those two, just because of the way that Steven Adams was able to attack the rim. John Moran is just so athletic and so crafty at the point guard position, so i I feel sympathetic towards the Grizzlies, and I know a lot of it is kind of maybe their own demise, more or less, because they did let other guys walk in free agency as well, and they kind of retooled the roster a little bit in that sense, so... They're still trying to figure it out, but I think that it's one of those things that if they were fully healthy, they would be much, much higher in a power ranking. So I think I would take Memphis over Charlotte just because of all those caveats.
1: Yeah, this is a tough one for me. I I agree with you. I think Memphis does fall into that category of if they're whole, they're a much better team than their current record would dictate, but they're not whole. and, And unlike Charlotte, last year where there were a lot of injuries that took a couple of weeks or a few weeks or maybe a month and then kept happening over and over and over again these are two long absences that you know are going to be baked in so that's the only reason for hesitation for me that said I mean you do know that John Morant is scheduled to come back at some point that you know that there there will be some period of time maybe you go with Memphis I don't know Chicago they've basically had their team from everything I've seen and they're not playing well at all they're they're not a very good offensive team they're not a very good a defensive team, their bottom third of the NBA in both categories right now. By the way, so are the Hornets at the moment. But again, Charlotte, it's centered around always being absent one of their stars, whereas Chicago has had their stars with them. So it's tough. I think this is one where the Hornets, if anything, they may be a tick low. I could see the Hornets being ahead of Portland in power rankings, roughly the same record. And, you know, I, I don't think Portland's got the same kind of firepower that Charlotte does when fully healthy. So maybe that's a factor in this. But uh, either way, hey, you know, you, you mentioned before, sometimes the athletic doesn't always uh, view, in our opinion, the best at the Hornets, but I think in this one, they're pretty spot on.
2: Yeah, I have to give a cap tip to where credit is due, and that's certainly with the athletic. I think nailing the bottom portion of the power rankings didn't get a chance to look at the top ones yet. But in terms of what we've seen from the bottom five, six, seven teams, then I think they kind of got it right. And you know that doesn't make for good podcast fodder because we don't get to yell about it. But in all in all, you got to give credit where credit's due. I think they kind of nailed this one.
1: Zach Harper doing the great work on the athletics power rankings. Go ahead, check them out and let us know what you think. Uh, hit us up on social media. One other note here and there. Kind of detail about the Charlotte Hornets. They talk about a new face in a new place. They talk about Brandon Miller and they even give love there saying, man, that sure looked like a pretty good second overall pick. So lots to like about what they had to say about the Hornets, at least this week in the context of Charlotte's been beaten and battered by injuries and absences again. And, and we're dealing with this once again. In any case, Hornets will have to persevere on through. They'll take on the Brooklyn Nets tonight to wrap up the road trip. And we'll preview the game for you next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets are going to wrap up the road trip tonight in Brooklyn at 7.30 tip time, so slightly later than the normal 7 o'clock start. Hornets will take on the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn uh, winners of three in a row, they've nosed their way back above 500 once again, or as actually a a positive in the plus minus, so things looking a little bit brighter right now in Brooklyn. They are 1 and 0 against the Hornets this year. This will be the second meeting head-to-head between the two sides and uh, only three on the calendar. Brooklyn was one of the other teams, Rob, that Charlotte could have visited, uh, and in, at least in my theory, um, for that in-season tournament week. Hornets do draw Chicago for the visit, which in many respects might be a better one because Chicago's not playing as well as Brooklyn is right now. So all those things kind of baked in here. You know how the game previews work. We need a player to watch from each side as well as a statistic to watch. Who are you looking at? What are you looking at for Hornets versus Nets tonight?
2: Let's go ahead and begin with a way player to look at. That's going to be the Nets, obviously, coming off a 115 to 103 win the other night against the Toronto Raptors. And I'm not going to say that. Brooklyn is more beat up than the Hornets because that's basically impossible at this point with LaMelo Ball absent for the near future at least but the Nets do have some pieces missing for the most part so they're a little bit thin as well but I mean the one guy that you can always count on when it comes to being in uniform playing a full game is Mikel Bridges he's going to be my player to watch 22 points one off the game high the other night that was Spencer Didwitty that had a game high 23 points for the Nets but finishes with a double double 22 points 10 boards 5 assists as well Was pretty efficient for the most part from the field nine to 17 shooting but he is just mr consistent i mean hasn't missed a game basically in his entire nba career you go back to the other season when he got traded from phoenix to brooklyn he ended up playing more than 82 games as well so he is just kind of the iron man of the modern day nba so you know he's going to be consistent you know he's able to score as well so that's why he's my player to watch tonight on the brooklyn side
1: I like the pick. I was going to try and go off the beaten path a little bit here. and I was thinking back to when the Hornets fell against Brooklyn really early in the season, and, and one thing that hurt the Hornets at that time was was bench production. Uh, obviously, Charlotte had a different absence at that point in the season, but uh, nonetheless, it created maybe a slight potential imbalance or a, an opening for someone to come off the bench and have a big day. And As I recall, that day, uh, the big effort, came from Lonnie Walker the fourth. He's a very good shooter. He kind of reset himself the previous season playing for the Lakers uh, and, and having some really strong performances, taking advantage of opportunities uh, that were made available to him by playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and that collection of talent. Um, but this guy's a sharp shooter. He's 46% from three over the course of the season. He's been a little up and down at times. Uh, sometimes those shot opportunities are there. Sometimes they're not. Uh, the last game of in-season tournament group play against Toronto, didn't take a ton of shots, still had an overall solid game. Uh, But the game prior against Chicago, he knocks down six threes and scores 20 points, and he's had several games where he's had four or more triples. So, I mean, this is a good shooter. This is someone that kind of fits the profile of players that have made the difference head-to-head against the Hornets. It seems like when Charlotte falls short, A, the big reason is the absences, but part B is either an elite starter or a... Overlooked bench player having a crazy day. I thought the other day against the Knicks it was Julius Randle, the kind of the, the big star who came out and dominated play, and that made the difference. Um, but there's been players who kind of fit the Lonnie Walker, the fourth mold, who have given the Hornets fits in the past as well. So he's my player to watch for Brooklyn. Where would you like to go next? A Hornet to watch or a stat to watch?
2: Let's switch it up a little bit. Let's go with stat to watch. And I think the obvious one here, well, there's a couple of obvious ones, but the one that I'm mainly looking at here is three-pointers, and it's basically anything beyond the arc that you can imagine. As you look at it, Brooklyn is third in the association when it comes to three-point percentage. They average almost 39% from beyond the arc, and they love to chuck them up as well. That's where they get the majority of their points as well. 40% of their points come from beyond the arc as well. That's second in the NBA. So you go back to that first meeting between the Hornets and the Nets, Brooklyn, in fact, shot a worse percentage than their average from beyond the arc. They shot at about a 36% clip, and they're averaging what about 39% right now here so far through the first what, 17 games or so of the season for them. So, again, kind of a contrast in styles in that sense compared to Charlotte and Brooklyn. But, again, that's something that the Hornets have had to struggle with so far defensively this year is just having to cover the perimeter and avoiding those open looks beyond the arc. And with a team like Brooklyn that loves to chuck them up, that's going to be, could be potentially, a recipe for disaster for Charlotte. So you got to defend a three-point line. I think that's something that you really have to take a look at. You don't want to give up those easy bunnies in the lane, but at the same time, Force Brooklyn to get out of their game a little bit. Get out of their comfort zone a tad. So got to protect the three-point line in tonight's matchup. That's my stat to watch
1: very much so I think this game is really going to hinge on the Hornets ability to stay in front of defenders and if they need help to flow that help towards the middle flow that help hopefully towards Mark Williams because if it becomes this endless swing it around the horn until you find an open shooter Brooklyn's got a lot of shooters they're a very good three-point shooting team elite in fact at close to 39 percent from three Hornets are climbing in terms of team three-point percentage but Brooklyn is already there so I, I agree with you I think that's definitely one to watch I'll go in a different direction I'm to say second chance points. Uh, Charlotte and Brooklyn are roughly the same in terms of their offensive rebounding percentage. Both of them pull down roughly 30% of the offensive boards that are available. Basically, you miss a shot, three out of every 10 misses, you're getting back for a second opportunity. The difference is in the putback rate. The Hornets have been much better about making good on those second chance point opportunities than Brooklyn has and I think that's an area where Charlotte can really capitalize and take advantage uh, as good as Brooklyn has been from 3 they're not nearly as good in terms of overall field goal percentage so I think this is an opportunity here for Charlotte to maybe capitalize on some of their own strengths and hit the glass hard hopefully uh, make a a good dent in a- any advantages that the Nets have from 3 with their own abilities in the paint and specifically on second-chance points opportunities. Last but not least, we need a player to watch.
2: You already touched on him. I'm going to go with Mark Williams, 12 points, 12 rebounds in that game against the Knicks the other night. And the more impressive thing, I think, was that the rebounding was very even. He had six offensive boards and six defensive boards as well going up against some really tough competition and guys like Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle who just decide to play bully ball basically every chance that they are able to get. So I'm not going to say that Mark Williams has had to play basketball basically over the last two weeks or so with one hand tied behind his back with Nick Richards being out but he's got to be a lot more careful especially on the defensive end of the floor with those fouls and making sure that he doesn't get in foul trouble because again he's basically the only healthy center that the Hornets have right now so the other thing too to take a look at it is just the disparity of points in the pay percentage I mean Charlotte is one of the top teams they are in fact first they get the majority of their points from the paint almost 51 percent that's tops in the league where you have another team on the other side like Brooklyn that only gets about 39% of its points from in the painted area. So again, that's something that is going to be interesting to watch here. If the Hornets are able to defend that three-point line, how much does Mark Williams get attacked at the rim? How is he able to stay out of foul trouble? And offensively as well, I mean, that's going to be the big uh, key in the paint is just trying to feed the ball to Mark. I know a lot of people play five out. The Hornets are certainly capable of doing that, but this is a chance that maybe the Hornets might be able to do some one out, four in, or four out, one in, so you never know if, if Mark's going to a- be able to have some opportunities to post up, get his back to the basket a little bit as well, so you know, there's there's a lot of different opportunities here for Mark Williams. Pick and roll is obviously one of them as well, so he's going to be my player to watch. I'm not going to say that he needs to go out and have 20 and 25 like he did in that in-season tournament game a couple weeks ago against Washington where he just dominated every facet of the game, but he's going to be going up against a pretty good center in Nick Claxton as well, so definitely looking at Mark Williams as my player to watch tonight.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't turn down the 2020 game. It would certainly help things, but uh, yeah, not vital, I would say, for Charlotte in this one. I like the pick. I'm going to go, though, with Terry Rozier. Terry got off to a great start to the season, seemed to pick up personally right where he left off in the game against Orlando, and then the other night against the Knicks, a little bit of a dud by his standards, and he set a high one. 5 of 16 from the floor, 0 for 3 from 3, 11 points, did have 5 assists, um, and the, the Hornets generally seemed to Play a little bit better with him on the floor, obviously, than when he wasn't on the floor, but nonetheless, uh, you know, not the kind of scoring that the Hornets desperately need with LaMelo out. And that's kind of the the double. Punch that, that you take when you're without LaMelo ball, which, as of the recording of this podcast, we don't have any further information on him, um, but uh, in terms of a timeline for him to return. But, you know, if Terry's going to be that point guard, it's not just him distributing the ball, which he does a very good job of, but also he needs to continue to score. And so uh, I think the Hornets need that base of scoring. Brandon Miller provided a lot in New York. Miles Bridges uh, had his moments there, but it's not going to work unless you have that third guy, that third consistent piece. Uh, and in many respects, Terry becomes the first piece now in his return. So we'll see if Terry Rozier can have a bounce-back game tonight against Brooklyn. If he does, I think the Hornets definitely have a good shot to come away with a win on this road trip. Either way, we'll have it covered for you tomorrow with a recap edition of the HHC. Rob Longo will be back on the mic for that one. Rob, thanks as always for joining me here on the Hornets i Thanks,
2: Sam. I'll talk to you on the broadcast later tonight.
1: Looking forward to it. Thanks to all of you for tuning in as well. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you along. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.